everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Thurston County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hello, everybody. Welcome to what is sure to be a uh, eventful Real Hawk Talk episode. I am Brian Nemhauser uh, at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, and um, here for what is, I think, the 39th episode of Real Talk Hawk Talk after what was a incredibly tumultuous week of Seahawks uh, events, I would say. Um, so much to go through. Um, we're going to go through all of it. We're going to talk about the Bears game. We're going to talk about the injury situation. We're going to talk about probably a little bit about even Michael Kendricks. We will talk about um, how truthful Pete Carroll is and about what and why. Uh, I think we'll talk about personnel decisions that are being made and how how we think those decisions are being made. Um, and we're going to talk about where this franchise is. What does success look like this season? And, and what, what are we paying attention to? Um, so we're going to take care of all that. We're going to do it with our intrepid crew, um, Jeff Simmons, uh, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Thanks for joining, as always, Jeff. No problem. Uh, uh, Evan Hill, who, um, you know, I'm going to have to turn loose here in a second. I think he's been holding back. was barely able to hold back the night of the game. I think he even wrote a pretty scathing uh, post on the blog. Uh, welcome, Evan. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah, you don't sound like it's good, dude. I, I can just feel the bubble. No one knows what bubbling rage looks like in Evan, but we're going to find out tonight. Um, I feel like like hearts are going to pop in the air or something and burst into flames. Um, uh, and then we've got uh, Nathan Ernst, at Nathan E11 on Twitter. Uh, Nathan, the, the voice of reason. Uh, we're counting on you tonight to keep us grounded and wise. Very excited to play the, the part of the optimist tonight. <laughs> yes, I'm glad you got your script ahead of time. You know what role to play. <laughs> um, so, guys, that was a brutal game on, on, what was it, Monday? Gosh, it was just a few days ago. And um, really, there was a few things that, that just jumped out to me about it. Um, you know... For me, it starts with an offense that was supposed to be the strength of this team and was largely healthy for this game and was awful, awful, um, uh, all the way up until, you know, nearly the very end. Um, if you had told me that this defense was going to be the one without K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner to actually be better than a healthy offense in this game, even knowing who they were going up against, I would have not believed you. There's just no way I would have thought that was 
realistic. So let's go around for a second and let's start with Evan, who's, who's rubbing a hole in his head here. Um, <laughs> tell us what was on your mind after watching that game. What, were, what, what was going on for you, Evan? I think my immediate reaction to the game the night of, um, honestly, was was humor. The night of, it was everything went so badly that you just had to laugh. Like everything was so tragically bad that you just had to laugh. Evan, you know we have your tweets still, right? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if humor was what I was picking up from those. Oh, no, I want. <laughs> I, I, well, <laughs> this is relative to my emotions over the past few days. And let me, let me clarify that. I am so thankful I wrote that hot blogger article the night of, because I have gotten progressively angrier every <laughs> single day. And I'm not kidding. I am, I am livid. I am completely disgusted. I'm upset. I'm embarrassed with the showing on Monday night football in front of the nation. What an abysmal performance i am uh, you know what you know what actually i have a list of grievances that i prepared for this podcast all right i got my pen and paper and and i want all of our listeners to take notes on this i i I think uh to open it up nathan um you really put it best um and i and i'm gonna share this (laughs) i'm gonna share this little quote you you had in our in our private chat you said it was a total and complete indictment against pete carroll monday night football was an indictment against who pete is what he's done the successes he's had the failures he's had every decision he's made as head coach of the seattle seahawks um that's ridiculous no no what in the world are you talking about no, that is ridiculous. No, no, it is not. Then you're gonna have to be more specific. Break it down for me. Pete Carroll did nothing logical and rational on Monday night. And let me br- let me break this down for you. And I have a list. Opening offensive drive against the Bears. I think it was opening or the second opening drive. Fourth down and short in Bears territory. Go for it. This is simple. KJ Wright, KJ Wright in, is injured. Bobby Wagner is injured. Richard Sherman is gone. Cam Chancellor is gone. Michael Bennett is gone. Cliff Averill is gone. Your defense sucks. And we didn't know, and we didn't think that they would be good um, entering the game. So entering the game, we thought the defense was going to suck. You have, you have to go for that on fourth down. All the analytics say you do. You have to go for that. Point number two, point, grievance number two that I'm pissed off about. Can someone, anyone, Please explain to me why Rashad Payne had four more carries than Chris Carson by the end of the game. I have a Rashad Penny jersey in my bedroom closet. So I am a staunch defender, a staunch defender of Rashad Penny. I am excited about him. But please explain to me why Chris Carson got four less carries than Rashad Penny. And actually, you don't even have to answer that question. I'll tell you why he why he got four less carries than Chris Carson. It's because Pete Carroll is sometimes made of bullshit. And this is one of those moments. And let me tell you why. Pete Carroll is trying to justify the first round pick he spent on Rashad Penny. There is, I, I do not buy for a single flipping second 
the exhausted, gassed excuse that Pete Carroll used on Chris Carson. Pete Carroll got caught in a lie today on that press, or maybe it was yesterday on that press conference. It was a complete and total lie on Tuesday on the radio with 710 ESPN. I do not buy it for a single flipping second. Point number three. Can somebody, anybody explain to me why the Seahawks went a near two full quarters without running the ball? Now, and before Nathan, you interject with saying, oh, running doesn't matter, which I mean is partially true. But the reality is, is that the Seahawks claim to emphasize the running game. Every single week, Pete Carroll goes in saying, we're going to run the freaking ball. We're a smash mouth football team. Bullshit. Bullshit. You had zero patience on on Monday night. If you claim to have an identity, at least embody that identity. Do not pretend to be something you aren't. Just please, for the love of God, assume the identity and commit to it. A split identity is worse than uh, than a full run identity. It's it's just completely ridiculous. So that's grievance number three. Grievance number four. This coach has broken Russell Wilson. And I'm here to tell you that right now. Nobody wants to talk about it, but Russell Wilson has regressed in two games. I, I will I will be the first one to say that. Russell Wilson was not good enough on Monday Night Football. And, and you know whose fault it is? It's Pete Carroll's fault. Pete Carroll is not building a team around Russell Wilson. He is not hiring the personnel, the coaches. He is not employing the players that need to support Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the superstar of your franchise. You build around him. You do not just find franchise quarterbacks like him. We can nitpick Russell Wilson. I totally agree. He has, he has some flaws and he needs to be better. But the reality is, is he is more important than any player, coach, executive, or owner on the Seattle Seahawks. And we need to build around him. So I'm completely disgusted with what with the trend – with, with the way this is trending, I'm completely embarrassed. This was a Monday night football in front of the entire nation. Are you kidding me? We're the laughing stock of the league right now. I'm, I'm absolutely embarrassed. And rant. Jeff? Jeff. Wow. What do you make of Evan? Forget, Forget the game. Like, what's your take on Evan? On what Evan said? Yeah. Well, I think he missed the the biggest problem Pete made all all Yenheimer hired. And I think Evan hit on some interesting points because watching the game, there was a lot of things that were just unexplainable to what happened. The Chris Carson thing. It's been that's been the weirdest thing surrounding the team all year, right? So that's been strange. I think the Russell thing is interesting. I think I don't know. If, I don't know what's going on there, and I think scheme is a huge issue right now. And Sean Heimer, Nathan has been on this for months, so Nathan can't be surprised by what's going on. I see everyone going crazy about Sean Heimer. He's I just say I really like how this podcast is going so far. Like you guys just keep like giving me shout outs about how I've been right all along. <laughs> well, you're not wrong, right? So you you, you called Owen too. Yeah. Was there any? Wait, wait a second. Nathan, you do not get to claim ownership over being negative. Was anyone happy about the Schottenheimer hire? Like, I, I don't know, a single no. Seahawks fan was like, yes, we got shoddy. We're we're set. Like, let's go back no. to 1990 Mark Sanchez offense. Like, that's what's going to take us forward. Like, I, I don't remember anybody saying that. 
I was still no, right. No. So I don't care how many other people were right too. You do not have sole ownership of, of being right on that one. We did our show after they hired him, and we were trying to just trying to rationalize it. I remember at the time we couldn't. I come up with anything there. And yeah, everyone blaming Schonheimer. I think that's another it's a Pete issue. Schonheimer is just a symptom of the problem because they had a chance to hire any offensive coordinator that they could have. I don't think Pete that's Schonheimer. I don't think that's not any offensive coordinator. Not any offensive coordinator. You're right. You know what, Jeff? You make a Jeff, you make a great point about that. Schonheimer is solely there to carry out Pete Carroll's mission. Any offensive coordinator, that's their job under Pete Carroll. I think Zach Whitman tweeted something absolutely hilarious on Twitter during the game. He was like, who looks at the 2012 Los or St. Louis Rams offense, of which Schonheimer was a coach of, and says, oh, I want to embody that offense. I want that. Exactly. It's completely <laughs> ridiculous. That's what I mean. It's a symptom of a, a bigger problem. Well, well like no, So hold on. Hold on. Like building on that. So – so what do we know about this this offseason? It was absolutely, to your point, Jeff, this was about Pete Carroll saying, we're doing it my way. Getting yeah, rid of all the players day. that are giving me crap. Getting rid of all the coaches. All the coaches, other than the special teams coach. Everyone's gone. I'm bringing in guys like Ken Norton that I don't know that anyone really believes he's a defensive coordinator. He's basically just Pete's you know, lapdog to do what, what he needs to do. And then he hires an offensive coordinator that, I mean, he could pick whoever he wanted at that point that was yeah, going to work for him and work with this quarterback, which is a real issue that we can talk about. Um, and he had that option. He had his reset. He brought these guys in. And then he's not doing it. He's not, he's not, he's not going uh, according to his philosophy, except this is the thing, guys. I think we found something that supersedes always compete, something that supersedes, you know, balanced offense, which he says has always been balanced, but we've always seen it as run first. Quarterback is supposed to be the point guard. Um, any quarterback should be able to fit in the system. We want to have a not be dependent on one player being great. We want to build a whole team. The thing that supersedes all that stuff that we saw him, heard him talk about, saw him actually enact and turn into a championship team by following those rules. The thing that beats that now is, who is who did you draft first and who are you paying the most that's what is driving decisions for pete carroll it is it is things that we have laughed and pointed at other franchises and said thank god we have pete carroll and john snyder because they will play the undrafted free agent they will let anyone compete they will let the cream rise to the top the fifth round pick the fourth round pick the sixth round pick that is not true anymore and no matter what you think of russell wilson whether you think he's god and has no flaws whether you think he should be benched, which is both of those things to me are completely ridiculous. The fact of the matter is they've decided that featuring Russell Wilson and having him be the focal point of the offense is more important than having a balanced offense, which is supposedly what Pete says is his focus point. And it, I think they're caught in the middle. He's lost his identity. When I think when Sherm said it this offseason that they've lost their way, everyone scoffed and said, oh, that's Sherm just being bitter on his way out. Does anyone disagree with that statement right now? Does anyone feel like the Seahawks actually, Pete Carroll actually has a way? He knows what he's doing. He has a vision through this process, and we just aren't seeing it. Any of you? No. Yeah. So, I mean, 
That's what it's about right now. If you, if you connect all the dots, how high were you drafted? Rashad Penny, Jermaine Effetti, you're gonna get you're gonna get snaps no matter whether you deserve them or not. And then how much are you getting paid? Russell Wilson, we're paying you this much money. We have to justify that. We're gonna keep throwing the ball regardless of whether there's actually success happening in the run game. And regardless of whether that's the core philosophy around what Pete Carroll supposedly has built his offenses around in the past. And those two, you've got a mismatch. You've got a guy that doesn't know how to build a pass-first offense. I, I don't see the plan. I don't see how this comes together in any way, shape, or form. And that's exactly it, right? When we first did the show to start this preseason, I remember the thing I said. I was excited to just watch a team with kind of no expectations. We wanted to see natural progress. This year was kind of a transition. You just wanted to see the team kind of show vision, show direction. They've looked completely lost. Like, yeah, this play, the ball falls out of the way. They could be 2-0. Big picture, they they going backwards. And to me, with Russell, and that's scary. And Pete's been this, what, ninth year now? This team does not seem to be going forward. And then I, people have been saying this on Twitter. They look like the Jeff Fisher Rams. <laughs> That's it's, it's not wrong. But you know, like we're not we're not going to beat the Rams the way the uh, those Jeff Fisher Rams beat the Seahawks in those days. Oh no, maybe with special teams or something. Who oh, knows? God. No, I mean Nathan. <laughs> Nathan, where where are you on this? You, you're the calm, cool, collected guy. What what's what's your take on what's going on right now? Uh. I, I don't know. I mean, I did think that they were going to lose these two games. I did think they would be ugly games. I mean, two pretty good defenses from last year. One of them that added Khalil Mack, both road games. Um, but there's definitely problems with this team. I mean, there's there's no denying that. I, I, think, I think Pete Carroll just seems lost right now. I think he seems like he's flailing. I think he seems like he's pressing. And that's maybe the most concerning thing to me right now. Um, I, I think he got, I, I, he seems a little shook. I, I don't know if he just got called on a shit by all these vets and, and now he's trying to like, I, I don't know. I don't like, I mean, it just what everyone said, I don't know what he's thinking with this team. I don't know why he's interfering with play calls. I don't know how he sees Chris Carson sitting on the sideline and it's just like, that's cool. Uh, I don't need to worry about that. Like, I mean, that's just a lie, but like, what is the deal? Like what happened with Carson? Is it a disciplinary thing? Maybe? I, I don't know. It, I would be a lot less concerned. Like I said, I, I thought they would kind of be here. I thought we would be down on them. I thought this would look ugly, but you know, Pete Carroll just seems like he's in a weird place right now. And I don't know if this team can get right. If this is how he's running the ship. Yeah, well, let me ask you a question on that. So it's a really good point that when we were going through this early season, like this was a questionable game. Like, I, you know, three of the four of us had them losing in Denver before the season started. I think uh, at least a couple of us had them losing in Chicago. And there was talk about, yep, Monday Night Football, Khalil Mack's first game, home opener for the Chicago. That's going to be a tough game. Going into this week, I expected them to lose. I was very clear I expected them to lose this game against Chicago. I think a lot of us had some questions. But, Nathan, how they lost. 
did you expect the offense to look like the offense looked? And did you expect the defense to actually look confident given the injuries that they had out there? Kind of. Um, I think the defense looked better than I thought it would. I think the offense looked worse than I thought it was, but I thought this was going to be an ugly game. I actually, Brian, you'd be very proud of me. I thought Michael Dixon was going to win this game for them. I I thought he would pin them deep enough that they would put Mitchell Trubisky in a bad spot and he would make a mistake. And that would be the, that would be what turned the game actually went the other way. Rust made the mistake and it went and, and it went to, you know, short field went for a pick six, but that's kind of where I was going into this game. This, that was my hope going into this game when I got irrationally hopeful and thinking that they might win is that, you know, Trubisky's terrible. And I, I didn't see anything from this offense that made me think they, you know, faced a juggernaut. I, I think this is going to be one of the worst offenses that they play all year. So that the defense looked good doesn't shock me too much. You know, uh, Trubisky can't throw left. So the fact that Akeem King was starting didn't matter much. Um, and then you had, you know, some good performances from guys like Michael Kendricks who stepped up. Um, but then, yeah, the offense, Khalil Mack, you know, all those guys on the, the Bears defense. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that they looked rough. Well, and it's not just what's happening on the field, guys. Uh, Seahawks, dealing with some crazy injuries, right? We, we hear Bobby Wagner all of a sudden show up on the injury report. We see Trey Flowers show up, and all of a sudden Michael Kendricks gets signed. Uh, KJ Wright can't play. Then they have to release Tom Johnson. Uh, as far as I understand it, you guys can correct me. I might be wrong. Super busy, so I'm not reading all the details. But my understanding is the signing of Tom Johnson cost the Seahawks a fourth-round compensatory pick. If they had not signed Tom Johnson, they would already have a fourth-round comp pick for next year. And if that's the case, they they spent over a million dollars, maybe close to $2 million, for 38 snaps in the first game in order to not get a fourth-round comp pick next year because he signed with Minnesota now. So I believe the comp pick formula isn't solidified till it's either week 10, 11, or 12. And if he's cut, it like doesn't count his time on the team, it's, it's not like he spent like those 10, 11, 12 weeks with the team. Does that make kind of sense? It no, does. I, think, I think that's right. It does. My understanding, though, at least what I saw flow by is something about signing the contract in the first place cost them. Um, they now There's still the ability for them to recoup that pick. Uh, I think they have to cut a couple of more players. But I yeah. think because of the committed dollars, um, that factors into the formula. So it, it does. And the formula isn't public. Um, the, the reason, the reason we're taking this, the CRs are taking such a cap hit for him is he's a vested veteran. He's a veteran in the NFL. So vested veterans, if they're on the roster, 53 man roster week one, their salary is fully guaranteed for the entire year. Right. So he's double dipping essentially. Right. So, I mean, John Schneider guys, that was, that was going to be my next point. Take it away. Well, I, my other big takeaway from the game is I think Evan mentioned Pete. I think I think the start and maybe that collection of how bad the roster's been managed and how little depth the team has and just all the draft and free agent mistakes the team has had really since the Super Bowl years. And you can look at the skill positions out wide of like the, there's just they don't look like a talented team. <laughs> like couple injuries and all of a sudden they're starting practice squad guys and they're having to sign Michael Kendricks and Brandon Marshall has to start. And 
like I said earlier in the year, they're paying the piper for many years of draft mistakes and then not signing Sheldon Richardson and replacing him with Tom Johnson and cutting him after one game. And there's just not a lot, long list of moves that have really worked out. Like Penny as a first round pick looks like he's being laughed at around the league. He looks stiff, man. He has a gut. Did you guys hear? Did you guys hear what Pete said about Penny losing eight pounds? Said he lost eight pounds this last yeah. week. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. Eight pounds in a week? Like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, is he on thirty ten? Like, that's like. That's absurd. The the fact that he's having to lose baby fat in the middle of the season, like. And Pete's like, because he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, you know, work out as much when he had a broken hand. Like, you can't exercise when you have a broke. And even if he couldn't, you control your weight with your diet. Like, they have paid nutritionists. He's eating enough to gain eight pounds that he has to then lose be- yeah. over a couple of weeks of injury. Like, either Pete's out and out lying, which he's proven clearly that he's willing to do often, or like, what the hell's wrong with Penny? Like, does he have a health problem? Does he does he not understand the opportunity that's in front of him? Is he like, I got my first round contract and I'm enjoying like all the Dick's burgers I can find? Like what what's going on? Like does he like you guys have probably watched more Penny and that's you know in his his college film? Does is there anything yet that that's jumping out as like that this guy looks exactly like in college? It just hasn't shown up here or do you think it's a weight thing? Do you think he's not talented? Like, what is it? I'm still wondering. I, I just I saw one run in the Bears game where I was like, oh, at least he had a little shake there and he got to he got to some space uh, and got like ten yards. Like that was like all right. I'd be but you know that was him. that run he got he got ankle tackled and that was the kind of thing he ran through in San Diego State is that he would make these little moves and he would run through arm tackles. And he didn't run through that arm tackle. He got tripped up. Um, not that there was like a ton left on that play for him to get. There were other defenders, but like still, it, it was one of those where like, oh, nice, ten yards. But then like, oh, that's the difference between college and the NFL. Like in college, he would have still been running. But I mean, to me, it seems like his weight has to be affecting his play. He looks big. He looks. I mean, he's got a gut. Like, yeah, I, I can't imagine that's not part of the problem here. He looks like me after four in and out double doubles. No, I, I completely agree with you, Nathan. I think he, I think he had so, I think he looked so much faster in college. That I think those, what is it, fifteen pounds he put on in the off season? God, it, he carries it. It's obvious. Yeah, San Diego State, the, the run scheme is very, very unique, and. Uh, like Donnell Pumphrey put up massive numbers at San Diego State. The, the current running back there is doing really well. And the offensive line, there's massive holes in that the lesser conference. Like you're not going against SEC players. And if you're going to take a running back in the first round, which we've talked about so many times on this show, you got to take a special guy. He just looks like a guy. Like he looks like a fourth, fifth round pick. And it sucks because I looked at pro football focus today. Will Hernandez was their highest rated guard this week at left guard. Harold Landry had a massive game this week. There are two positions the Seahawks badly need. And they pass on them to take a running back who stinks. It's just not been a good run for John Schneider. And you look at the team on the field and you can see it. There's, there's just not a lot of emerging blue chip kind of talent. 
all of a sudden, we're, I, I know I'm having this conversation. I'm thinking maybe bottoming out isn't so bad. Maybe they need this. Well, let's talk about that in a second. I, I, I have to make this statement that between Chris Carson and his like 2% body fat and Rashad Penny, which of those two guys do you think is more likely to be gassed after two special team snaps? <laughs> Seriously. My I mean, God. right? Like, forget that Pete Carroll's lying about Chris Carson and the reason he was sitting there. There's no reason. Like, Mike Davis was getting snaps over Chris Carson. This isn't just a Rashad Penny thing. Mike Davis was getting snaps. And I know there's a Mike Davis contingent, and I, he seems like a great guy and a fine third string back, but come on. So you got a guy that you just said lost eight pounds in a week, and he's the one that you're running out there over and over again. You think that's the best thing for the team? Is there any way to make the argument that's the best thing for the team? Also, does Pete even make that decision on which running backs are in the game? Like, isn't that a shoddy thing? It's a great point. Do you, do you think that he is covering for shoddy the way he covered for Bevel in the Super Bowl? I think... I mean, that makes a little bit of sense that he took that on himself. Um, like, because you would think if it was disciplinary, he would be, he wouldn't just outright lie about it. Like, and so maybe he did think that Carson was playing more teams than he was. And maybe he thought that's why Shoddy wasn't putting him in. Uh, and maybe, I mean, this is just what I have a hard time with. Like, Am I supposed to believe that he saw Carson over there and just like saw multiple drives go by and, and Carson knock it on the field and just never asked about it? Like if, if they go one drive, how many plays do they go without Earl on the field before Carol's walking over and asking Ken Norton why Earl isn't on the field? Like one, right? One play, two plays. <laughs> yeah. Right. But Carson just like disappears for three quarters and Pete just never follows up on it, never asks, never like, like what? Why, what, is, what, is the, what is the threat to them if Carson succeeds? There's no threat. I don't know. Pete's, Pete's got his man that's on social media now, right? And is listening to what everybody's saying. And maybe he's following me and Ben and is tired of getting ragged on for taking a first round pick or something. Like, it does seem like there's like something kind of personal wrapped up in this, which is weird too, because, you know, Carson seemed like Pete's dude. Pete raved about Carson when they drafted him and stuff. So how did we get here? It's really confusing. Yeah. I cannot follow the logic at all. Like there's running a first round back out there. That's not succeeding in order to hold back a seventh round back that is averaging 5.8 yards a carry. Like, as a coach, of course, like whoever's going to give you success and give the team success is ultimately going to be the better option. So I don't, I just don't, I don't follow the logic. I know we've, we've beaten this down, but it, it really starts to matter when you like, similarly in this game, like a was, was, you know, not playing well in Denver. He was not playing well in this game. What's keeping them from saying, let's put George Fant in for a series and see what he looks like at right tackle. Like, what is the harm when your team is doing nothing right by seeing what he can do in a game like this? Like if you're already, he's talking about development for Rashad Penny and he wants to see what he could do. Fine. If we're in that kind of season, then play George Fant. Let's see what he can do. Same. Issue. And it, it's weird that they would say 
coming out of the Denver game, like, well, you know, clearly, I, I don't know what they said exactly, but basically the gist of it was Carson's better back and we're going to run with Carson. And then to immediately just get in the situation where they're like, no, we got to see what's going on with Penny. In a game that, yeah, it looked real ugly for long stretches, but they were down by one score a lot of the game. Like, it was not like they were down 17 points or something like that. They weren't. It wasn't even like they were down 17-3, or like, and it just seemed insurmountable because of how bad the offense was. Like, this was a game, the entire game, and they left one of their best offensive players on the sideline. And whether Pete was involved with that directly or not, like, I think it's on him. It, it, he either trusted Shoddy too much and didn't follow up on it, or they're messing around and they're just trying something out and they're trying to force Penny for whatever reason. Like ultimately Pete has to be the one that like is aware of where his players are. You know, I know Pete has a history of losing track of his running backs, but like you can't do that mid game. I'll I'll go. I'm going to put it out there guys. All these like fire shoddy fire, you know, John, all this kind of stuff. You can save it all. This is Pete Carroll's last year. He's done after this year. I, I, I don't I, I don't see a future this season where where he sticks around. Question for me is whether Schneider's out with him. That's that's an open question for me. I could see both being gone. But are you, are you talking firing or are you talking retirement? Could go a bunch of different ways. I mean, if I'm just looking forget this game. Like if I'm looking at Pete, he has looked older. Then I've seen him at any time now. That seems sounds like a stupid, obvious question point. Obviously, he's older, but he seems old for the first time in his tenure in Seattle. His energy level feels forced. It does not seem genuine. Is he does not actually seem enthusiastic and excited, even though the words are saying, "I'm pumped and jacked." I don't see him pumped or jacked. Um, you know, in his body language, it feels laborious, like what he's going through. So, on a just a personal level. I have questions about whether he really has the fire burning that he he once did. Um, he came in, he wanted to prove his philosophy. He won a Super Bowl in the NFL. You know, he's got some legacy there. Does he really feel like he needs to prove it again? I don't know. And and does he feel like he can climb that mountain again? I don't know. Um, so there's that. Could he do what he's done at USC and say like, oh, there's a greener pasture. It's not that I'm tired here. There's just a, another challenge I want to take on. And he just jumps ship. Could see that happening too. And I absolutely, I, I think if he doesn't do one of those things, you're going to see Paul Allen say, Mm-mm, not good enough. We're, pro- we're going in another direction. The problem with, the pro- on that note, the problem with me with this whole topic is this is, this is Pete Carroll's core mantra of his program. When you, when you see the name Pete Carroll, you think always compete. We haven't had this conversation in years before. Pete is playing players based on draft stock, not based on whether they're out competing other players. This is a real problem. The thing I, is, though, that's just always been bullshit. And that's why all the vets started checking out the last couple of years because they had seen it with bullshit for a long time. And look, you know what? I mean, look, look, passing in the Super Bowl was the right call, but you can't preach running and the importance of running and your mentality and then pass there. And then cover for the guys who made that decision. You can't hire Schottenheimer and talk all offseason about the importance of balance and the importance of being able to run the ball. And then when a game gets tough 
and you get impatient, you come in over the top and ask for shot plays for passes. Like it's just bullshit. It's always been bullshit. This is why it, it is at the point. This is why Richard Sherman is not on the team. This is why Michael Bennett is not on the team is because Pete's philosophy has never, he's never believed in it. <laughs> you know, it was, it was an easy thing to do when he took over a, a four and 12 team and he could just talk about, and, and none of them were his guys and he could just churn the roster and he could just find the best players he could. But it wasn't something that he was truly committed to. It's not a true life philosophy. It was a thing that worked well for him. And but there's no there there. And, and it's just obvious. And it's been it's been obvious for a few years now. Oh man. Does anybody here anyone here agree that this is Pete Carroll's last year? Are you guys are you guys are you guys on that train or you think that there's there's an open question about that? I think there's an open question. I think this team can still turn it around. Um, no, they can't. Think... No, no, they can't. They, they can. can. No, Nathan. What? What What's happened? The definition of turning Nathan, it around. Nathan, what happened on Monday Night Football that told you they could turn it around this season? They didn't actually look that bad. Oh, oh. <laughs> look, they're not. They're, they're not a good team. There's no question about that. I think they're gonna. I thought they were gonna win seven games. I think they're gonna win seven games. They're not gonna turn it around and be a playoff team. But they didn't. Like this team is not as far away as it seems. I. They they played a couple very good defenses on the road. They can be an okay offense. Like, <laughs> listen to yourself, though, man. This is, I love this is bizarre world. optimism, but like. They can be an okay offense with a bad defense. What is that? That's a five-win team at best. Like, like that's where we're looking right now. Unless, unless there's a. What really did everybody think game. this year was gonna be? They're a bad team. They're not good. They have a ton of young players. It can still be that reload, that rebuild year. You still have Russell Wilson. This isn't look. There's a lot of years and there's a lot of teams that get the storyline that they're a disaster, that they're a dumpster fire, that there's internal fighting and they're going to just fall apart and that Pete Carroll's going to retire because he looks old and Schottenheimer is battling, is, you know, passive aggressively calling timeouts to because Russell Wilson won't run the plays. Like maybe it's all true. Maybe. But the fact of the matter is they, they lost two games they were supposed to lose. They didn't look a lot different than I think anyone should have expected them to look. Now, let's see what happens in the Dallas game. If the Dallas game goes the same way as the Bears game, then the season's fucked. They they are closer. <laughs> they are closer to a three win team than they are to a seven win team, based on what no. we've seen so far this this season. No. Like they are a bottom third of the NFL offense right now, um, probably bottom five offense. And they are, I would say, probably a bottom five defense, maybe bottom 10 if we're being generous. That's what this team is right now. And they've got a, an all-pro punter. I will say this. I appreciate that the roles have reversed and that Nathan is trying to convince me that this My is role hasn't reversed at all, though. <laughs> I am the same person I was a week ago and two weeks ago. You all changed. The swing 
Look, <laughs> I said I to be to be very clear. I said the range for this team was five wins to ten wins. Like, you had them winning nine wins when we did the prediction. I know. Week. And I now know. you're telling me they're closer to three than seven. Like I know. It's like let's and look. I mean, they look like shit, right? Like I mean, so like to to think, hey, maybe they're worse than I thought they were going to be. Totally reasonable. But this is just not the end of the road. It's it's two weeks. I mean, I think we've even seen this team look worse. I think the first half of 2015, they looked as bad. But here's the difference, Nathan. Here's the difference. Is those teams had the best More offense in the NFL. Sure. sure. And they're so not going to rebound. To kind of muddle through and be kind of crap and then finish somewhere in the middle. And look, you and I have been back and forth on this and Ben and I and others and I, I respect the hell out of you and him and the, the statistics. But if I look at the DVOA measurement of when the Seahawks offense was best, top five DVOA offense, they were second or, or dead to, second to last or dead to last in pass attempts in the NFL. So running may not matter in some worlds. For a Pete Carroll constructed team and the way he tries to, to do things, they got to run the hell out of the ball. They've got it like they, those teams, a lot of times were running Marshawn Lynch into a brick wall and he was getting two yards on first down and three yards on second down. And they were doing something on third and four or third and five. And they just did that. And they were ugly games and ugly, 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 but it worked for them. And, and I don't think that other than the second half of 2015, we have yet to see a repeatable, sustainable offensive system built around Russell that works. We haven't seen it. No, you can be the biggest Russell fan in the world, but like, show me the four games in a row where he has been able to succeed consistently and lead the team to victory with a dominant I mean, offensive performance. He led the league in passing touchdowns last year. They had the 12th ranked passing offense by DVOA. Is that a success? It's not. It's not three wins. <laughs> Look, again, like they're not going to have a 2015 rebound. They're not going to be the Marshawn offenses of 2012, 2013, 2014. This isn't that team. It is not a talented team. It is not a top half of the team uh, of the league team. But it, I am not like at the point where like we're talking about three wins, four wins. Like there are winnable games on the schedule. This team hasn't performed that differently than I think anyone should have expected them to. And I mean, look, we'll see just how far the dysfunction is, but it's, it's two weeks with a brand new offensive coordinator. I think Russ is doing a lot of the things that people were screaming at him to do in terms of staying in the pocket and being accountable and all that kind of stuff. We'll see what comes of that. Um, he didn't look that bad. Um, they weren't that far. I don't know. What? Russ was good. Oh my no god. Doubt Russ was good. Oh. You guys oh, agree. <laughs> Here we go. Come on. What, is, what does he have to do to not look good? What does he have to do to not look good? Tell me. Like, how do you watch Mitchell Trubisky and watch Russ and quarterback? Russell Wilson, we're talking about it. Our, our ambitions for him as a top five quarterback, we talk about him in the same sentence as Drew Brees and Matt Ryan and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And we absolutely do. 
So you can't then compare him to like the 32nd what best quarterback in the NFL. What did Drew Brees do this week? They scored like, what, 18 points against the Browns? What did Matt Ryan do week one against the Eagles? Like, but quarterbacks they can, they have can, bad games. That, and Russell wasn't even that bad. But that's the point, right? So, so those guys do have bad games. And guess what? It's okay to say Drew Brees had a bad game. He didn't play well. He did these things wrong. You don't go after he doesn't do well against the Browns and say he played well. It was everybody else's fault. It's the scheme's fault. It's the coach's fault. It's the critics' fault who have now gotten in his head and he's trying to be something he's not. It's it's the running backs' fault. It's the offensive line's fault. It's the receivers because they're not getting open. Even though when he threw the touchdown to Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett was never open. It was a beautiful throw because don't he show me the other plays it. where he is not throwing up balls where there's no where there's a where there's zero coverage where there's zero deep. Go show me these plays. That's not how you judge quarterback play. Look where when Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers throws the ball. Look where his receivers are in their breaks. They're not open. Go show me these plays. I'm just saying. Show me where Russ has opportunities to throw guys open and isn't doing it. They're not there. Like, he's not – he did not play a perfect game. There were opportunities to get a ball in the dirt, avoid sacks. Like – he wasn't perfect, but this idea that he was bad or that there's like more that he can do, like, I mean, yeah, there's more he can do. He could have played a perfect game, but like, no, like, this is not on Russ. Oh, no, no, no. No one's saying it's on Russ, but we're saying that he didn't play well. He did, though. Like, he did play well. He, I, I don't see that. It, what is it? What, <laughs> what did he do well? What did he do well? No. He threw a pick six that cost the game. What that was a well? backbreaker. That was a bad play. Like, there's no doubt. But like, no, but what did he do well? How he, you could say that we should show you plays where he didn't throw people open. He did but throw guys open. Where he did something positive. He threw Brandon Marshall open all game long. Brandon Marshall doesn't get open. Brandon Marshall catches balls because Russ throws him open. He threw Tyler Lockett open. He stepped up in the pocket. He like. He played, he did everything everyone asked of him to do all the time. Like, there just aren't that many plays that you can go in and say, oh, he fucked this up. So then you and I clearly don't see it the same way, which is part of what makes this a fun show. Um, and I greatly respect your opinion. I happen to 100% disagree with it in this case. That's fine. But then how do you explain, you know, pro football focus? independent third party who has always had Russ as one of the top four or five rated quarterbacks. He's getting a 55 rating in by pro football focus. He's and one of the worst rated quarterbacks the in the NFL. Like... <laughs> I'm just wondering like, wh- why is that all of a sudden? So, so different for them. And you're saying it's, there's no difference. He's still playing. He's still playing well. He's not doing anything bad. I like, I've come around on pro, pro football focus in a lot of ways. Those grades come out before all 22 is available. Maybe they have something that they can get it faster. I don't know. Uh, Pro Football Focus will also change their grades based on the feedback they get. These grades evolve throughout the week. So, you know, that their Tuesday grade of Russ was a 55. Like, okay, I, you know. Let's... So, okay, so, so you're just saying that, that you don't see that as relevant. Is that is that basically the... It's relevant, but like... I don't put a, t- a ton of stock into it. Evan, you've been so quiet for so long, and and I, I we should make sure you get a chance to get in here. No, I I I, I don't think he played well enough on Monday. 
I think I think that's pretty clear. That pick six was completely awful. I, I don't think he stepped in up in the moments we needed him to. Um, but I, I don't I don't think that game is on. I don't think it's on Russell's head. I, I here's, and, here's my ask though. Here's my ask. When you say he didn't play well enough, tell me what he should have done. And I'll ask you. When you say he played well enough, show me what he did. Uh, look, I, I've been tweeting for the last like few hours. There's tons of plays where he's throwing guys open. He's making free defenders miss. There's plays where like he's making the best of the opportunities that are available to him. Not a perfect game. And that pick six was absolutely a backbreaker. And I don't know why he threw that. So look, if you want to kill him on the pick six, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I mean, very possibly like that, that very much cost him the game. It was a backbreaker. And if you just want to say, look, can't have a good game if you did that. Okay, I get that. But if you want to say that overall he did not play well, I just want you to show me or tell me what he was supposed to be doing. Because the thing is, I actually think the pick six is as much on Schottenheimer as it is on on Russ. Like that's the one play that everyone's pissed at him about that I'm not as pissed at him about. Like ultimately, he can't throw that ball though. He can't. He can't. Like I, I agree. Like because it's not black and white. Um, but Schottenheimer. I mean, I assume you guys saw it on Twitter. Uh, you know, um, Prince of Mukamara said, uh, someone pointed out the exact same play, the formation that, that they had used the week before. Like, you're supposed to mix up your plays and formations. Like, but because he, people watch tape. I expect that, like, he would have a completely different set of plays from one week to the next. Like, that's not realistic. Like, no, teams but, run the same plays multiple times a game. Like, I don't know. It's pretty damning to me that, that the offensive coordinator is getting read that quickly from one week. One weekend, it's a brand new offensive coordinator. They can't watch all the tape. And he was able to diagnose that play. He knew it was coming and was able to pick it. So I guess I'm just saying, for me, I don't think this is all on Russell at all. But to say he played well is just crazy to me. Like, we have to be able to say, you know what? He, he didn't play well enough. He was not elite uh, in this game. He was not a franchise quarterback that carried that team. And that's what the team needs him to be. So I, there's a really high bar. And, well, and what he did not hit it. Zero being one being terrible, ten being good. How do you grade it? Oh, it's like a five for me. I would say, yeah, I'd say maybe a six. So he was fine. He was average. Yeah. Depends so on how you're grading. That's an F. Okay, so with, is it an F or? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's degrees of bad, but like, I don't think he was very good. Okay. Yeah, we need to get this idea. Just because people are saying Russell didn't play well does not mean it's on him or the reason the team's losing is on him. Russell's playing with... But look, if you say he doesn't play well, you said he played poorly. Like, I know, but those are two different ideas. Like, he's playing in a scheme that isn't setting him up to succeed. He's playing without his best receiver. We're not saying that Russell is the reason the team's losing. We're just saying, for us, we thought they were a 7-9 win team. I Say me and Brian were somewhere in there. And to get to that range, Russell probably needs to play at a Pro Bowl level. And in the preseason, he looked like a guy who could. Yeah. And I was most excited about watching Russell, even though his defenses were going to be tough. But to me, he's been five, six out of ten. And to us, that's a letdown, right? Yeah, and, and maybe, like, we could transition a little bit here. But, I mean, I think one thing we all agree on, I think, is whatever the system is that Schottenheimer's putting in there, does not seem to accentuate Russell Wilson's strengths. It does not seem to be set up to make him a better quarterback. I think a lot of people are jumping on this online, and I think they're right. The, the notion that 
it seems like I know everyone's jumping on the accountability thing as like this meme. Um, and I think what it started to, to translate into is, okay, we're going to make Russ be a different kind of player. Um, he has to be conform. I think it, it, better than accountable, I think they're trying to make him conform to a specific kind of offense. And while personally, I think it would be a great part of Russell Wilson's repertoire if he could add certain things to it, being able to throw a little bit more on script and on time and um, get rid of the ball a little bit faster. And maybe I think there's probably some things he can do in terms of diagnosing defenses and hitting someone quickly because he's been able to read who's, I think there's things that he likely can improve on, but that does not mean you should be forcing him to do what he's worst at most of the time. Like if you, if you switch the offensive coordinators in this game or you had Matt Nagy or whatever his name is, Coaching Russ, I think he would have looked far better in that game. I think that would have been an offense that more fits his skill set. Do you, what do you guys think? I mean, in terms of do we have a is part of the issue here a mismatch with the offensive coordinator? I think it's a little early to say it's a complete mismatch. I mean, Jake Jake Heath was talking about how they don't really like to cut Russ loose until it you know that's do or die and i think that's long been true and that's not a schottenheimer thing um i think the biggest problem i saw when i was watching the game is execution more than scheme um not that i was in love with the scheme but you know you, you had a lot of spacing issues and, and maybe that is scheme and maybe that won't get fixed uh but maybe it's players not being where they're supposed to which isn't a surprise again you know you've got new guys like marshall you've got a new coordinator and so you know, I, I think it's reasonable to, to expect some growing pains, but I, I I don't know what he's doing that really plays to Russell's weaknesses necessarily, uh, other than they just seem to they they just don't seem to go all out until they have to, right? Like they were down a score the like for almost the entire game. And then, uh, what is it, 17-3, right? Chicago finally scores again. And boom, they fly right down the field and they score, right? And then uh, Russell throws a pick six. Now they're down two touchdowns again. And then boom, they fly right down the field and score again. And it's just like they have this ability to flip a switch and they don't do it. And maybe that's Russ. Maybe that's how, like, they're coaching him. I, I don't know what it is, but, like, They've shown multiple times in two games that when they want to move down the field, they can do it. It just seems like sometimes they don't want to. And happy four to five year anniversary of having this conversation. This conversation yes. is bigger than Schottenheimer. This conversation is a Pete Carroll conversation. This is, this is an OC acting on behalf of Pete Carroll and carrying out his wishes. This is a Pete Carroll problem. This is not a Schottenheimer problem. Well, and and Jeff, I don't know if you've heard, but I mean, Pete Carroll, uncharacteristically, the last two weeks has gone on post game. He's gone on seven ten in the morning, and he usually is very protective of Russell. He has not been. And what do you what, what do you think is going on there? I noticed that this week his his first comment was saying Russell's playing. He's trying to do too much, essentially. I don't know if he's buying into those articles that came about it about Seattle that he babied Russell all these years. And I know that was the main concept of that uh, Monday morning quarterback article that the team noticed how Russell was treated differently. And maybe that's what he's trying to do. Or maybe he's seeing something 
that he's not playing within the scheme, but it's it's been it's jumped off the page to me. Unprompted, that was his first comment this week, saying that Russell's uncomfortable, he's holding on to the ball too much. And that's very uncharacteristic of how he's treated him in past years. And I think he's overcompensating based on what's happened in past years and how the teams viewed Russell and Pete's relationship. Do you have a do you have a thought there, Nathan, about why Pete is is making comments about Russ's play? I don't know why Pete's doing any of the things Pete's doing right now. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I don't know why he's coming out and lying and then like trying to like make a culpa on the lie, but then like the, that doesn't make a lot of sense. He's oh, like so bad. He's in a weird spot. I mean, he wasn't wrong about some of it. Like this has always kind of been Russ's thing, right? Like he tries to make something happen. Um, and there were a couple examples of that in the game. Um, I, I think he's generally pretty smart about it. I think you see Russ doing these in third down situations and times where there's really, you know, not a lot of downside to doing it. Um, but I don't know why suddenly the tone changed. I mean, you know, he said something kind of weird uh, in the Brock and Stalk interview because the night before, after the game, he said, you know, Carson was gaffed from playing too much special teams. And then pretty much right away in that Brock and Salk interview, he came out and said, hey, look, you know, it wasn't teams. I got that one wrong. And he kind of stuttered and stumbled his way through it. But then he said, you know, that's just me trying to be honest with you guys and letting you know that, hey, I make mistakes sometimes too. It was and so, so it does kind of seem, seem like they're doing this, like, tell the truth every day thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He but doesn't really tell the truth with it, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's weird. It is, it, it, yeah. I think he's been spewing bullshit for a long time. I just think the winning up covered it up. Yeah, yeah I guess. he's been spewing bullshit for a long time, but it's been like coach bullshit. Like yeah. all coaches do it. But like now he's trying to do it in a way that like he's trying to tell us something, but doesn't actually want to tell us the truth. So he's just <laughs> straight up lying now. Yeah. I don't know. Like again, like he just seems to be totally flailing, and I don't really know where his head is right now. Well, here's here's a theory, and this is uh from the chat. Um, so everyone on the chat, uh, I think it's Jaron Taylor, um, or Jaron. Uh, he's theorizing. Well, maybe Pete's setting this up to tear Russell down a little bit this year and set it up for uh, the fan base to be ready when he trades him. What do you guys think? Do you think there's any, like, give me like zero and a hundred percent chance. Is it a 0% chance that that's going on? 1% like anyone think that zero, that's zero. zero. That's, that's moronic. I, I don't think it's zero because coaches do really dumb stuff all the time. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, John Gruden trades Khalil Mack and then after every game talks about how they just got to find a way to get more pass rush. Like, <laughs> dude, uh, it seems like that would be something that would last as long. Like, if he is doing that, the second that Russ takes the field with his new team, that is going, that could completely backfire on him, right? Like, that maybe fans would be okay with it until that point. But if Russ gets traded somewhere and then goes out and starts lighting it up somewhere, like clearly yeah. somebody was full of crap. But just, it's just so ridiculous. Cause when, why would you want to trade a guy when, when his like values down after you have the own coach ripping on him? When you trade him last year, when he's coming off that great year, like you're really willing to well, tear wait, him wait, down. Wait, wait, wait. You're like to, to Nathan's point, you were using logic. 
And we've <laughs> already proven for the last hour that logic is not what is going through Pete Carroll's mind. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe right, not right. pass the logic test at all. I'm not saying I believe this. I'm just saying no, it's I not a zero percent chance. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Nathan. It's like two percent. Like I, I, it doesn't. Like even Pete probably can't figure that one out. But like, ah, oh, boy. Um, where do we go from here, guys? I mean, uh, we didn't talk much about the defense, and we we talked about what's coming up next week. You know, we've got Justin Britt now that's out. Uh, based on based on uh, that fumble, uh, I don't know who did that fumble, but somebody fumbled, and uh, uh, Britt hurt his shoulder. And it sounds like Ethan Posick is also limping around in a boot. Um, you know, uh, did not practice. When did he uh, get hurt? Did Did anybody else catch that? Did he get hurt in the game, and I just missed it? Like what? Happened? Yeah, Posick. Uh, I don't know. I mean, couldn't have been on a run play. I can tell you that much. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, maybe Fluker's back practicing, so you could have Fluker and Sweezy there, and then Joey Hunt at center. Sounds like Bobby Wagner's back practicing, and he might play. It sounds like Michael Hendricks is going to play this week. I, I would have thought he would have already gone through the appeal and, and been suspended, but he's, he lives for another week. Um, what, you know... What are you guys expecting this weekend? Like, what's going to be different this weekend? I don't know. Can we just pause on the Michael Kendricks thing for yeah. a minute? I don't yeah. remember if we talked about it last week or not. They, they hadn't picked him up yet. Okay. They signed a guy, and they're like, we're just going to ride this until he goes to jail. That is, that is amazing. Like, and... <laughs> It's like not even a story, kind of, because this team is such a circus all the goddamn time. Like, they're literally just like, this guy's going to jail, but we feel like we can get a couple good weeks of football out of him until that's unbelievable, right? He had a great like, sack, dude. He sure he didn't get blocked. <laughs> <laughs> he played a nice game, but like, I, I don't know. That's where the that's. This season, it's it's That's two weeks into the season, and we're already like, yeah, this guy's gonna go to jail, but we'll see if we can get a couple games out of him first. Like, this team is so stupid, and I kind of love them. <laughs> Even if it takes years off my life. Will, when you cut this, please get me the the clip of Nathan saying that this team is so stupid. Uh, I love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Evan, like, what are you? You can look at the Dallas game if you want specifically, but what are you looking for for the rest of the season? Like, we're going to be here all year paying attention to this team, and what are you what are you going to be like? What are you hopeful about? What do you what do you think can be meaningful in, in this season? For for this season to matter, I need to see a vision and I need to see an identity begin to form. I don't care what the identity is. I don't care if the the identity is them giving running back toss pitch plays to Michael Dixon and splitting him out wide. I don't care what the identity is. I just want to see a vision come together. I want to see an identity form. I I completely agree. Pete Pete is all over the place right now and and I have no idea what he's doing and and you know everybody says, you know, just win baby. It heals all wounds, but I see a real real big issue forming deep inside this organization. I, I see the core mantra of this organization really up, uh, being upended and 
And there's some real concerns coming to the table. So I'd love to see a vision and an identity form, but I'm not hopeful about it, to be honest. Jeff, what are you um, for? I don't even care so much about vision and identity because I'm kind of under the impression that Pete is going to be gone after this year and John might be gone too. So I'm more focused on the players themselves. I want to see the young players and just guys who you can really just say, these are guys we can go forward with. Who's going to be part of the core group of the future? Obviously, Russell's a huge factor there. I want to see Russell progress. So far, we've seen Shaq Griffin. Google's played over his head. I don't know how much upside he has, but I'm just looking at guys who you can really move forward with. Who are the guys you can say, these are the guys we want to build around? Because this team needs more blue chip players. They need young players to emerge, sort of like what happened at the end of 2011, where 2011, the start of that season was atrocious, probably worse than this. And... These next two games, these are the mo probably the two most winnable games of their schedule. They're coming back home for Dallas. Dallas doesn't have that interior pass rush that can blow up their guards. And Arizona looks far worse than Seattle so far, as much as we've ripped on them. So I just want to see some guys emerge. I want to see them compete in games and just not look as ugly as it did these last two weeks. But, yeah, I'm more focused on the players than the big picture of the coaching staff because I don't think Pete's going to be back. I don't really care if a vision emerged because next year you're going to have to start again. Side note, you mentioned him. We have to stop on him for a second. Shaq Griffin played out of his mind on Monday night. He is a cornerback one. He is an absolute stud. I think the sky is the limit for his potential. Uh, I just wanted to applaud him. Like, he he played so well. He did. Uh, I mean, what have we been talking about with him? Turn around, make a play on the ball. Like, Boom. The, guy, the guy's been in tight coverage pretty much his whole career. Um, he's, he's played great in that sense. But to be an elite corner, you, you've got to take the ball away. He did it twice in that game. So that was that was a great call out. I think that was a really nice thing to see. Frank Clark had an okay game. Um, you know, uh, I thought he played well as well. Rasheem uh, Green is quietly playing well. Hmm. Not lights out, not like – He's not a difference maker or anything, but he's just, for a rookie, he's just doing some nice stuff. Did you see him move towards the sideline in that game? How quick he... he when he chased down that wide receiver? Oh, man. That, yeah. I don't know why I got so hyped about that. But I like that. That was quick. Yeah. Was cool. He's an athlete. He's an athlete, but he recognized that play quick, too. Yeah. Like, he, he didn't get sucked in. He, he saw it. He read it. He chased it down. It, it was nice. I, I just thought of, like, a big-ass man his size chasing me that fast, and, and that's just, like, a scary sight. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, there was one other person that jumped to mind for me, and I'm forgetting it. Yeah. Bradley McDougal had a great game. Cleetro. Uh, Cleetro did all right. I didn't think he was great. I think he did all right, um, given what he was expected to do. But – I thought it was, it was interesting to three, see more three safety, you know. Mm. Um, I did not get to watch as much of Tedrick, so I don't know how he performed. But if it meant more Bradley McDougal on the field than Shaquem Griffin, I think that that's probably a, a trade-up. Um, but, oh, Will Disley. Mm. So he had the touchdown at the end. That was fine. But, like, why did he spike the ball? I know, <laughs> uh, whatever, you know, we're foolish. Uh, we're not good. We got to celebrate. We can't celebrate. But did you see the catch or like the 34 yard catch he had and the move he put on the, mm. the defender in, in midfield? Like he fainted to the left in a way. <laughs> it was a weird looking move. I got to I got to admit, but he's shown me something I didn't expect 
each week, like in terms of his skill set. I don't know what his top side is, but like, I don't think it's insane to say, you know, can he be something like Travis Kelsey? Like, I don't think that's totally insane. And I would have a little insane. Totally insane to start. It's a little insane. It's a little insane, but it's, it's not a little totally insane. insane. He's I mean, not, he's already the best tight end. He's an athletic freak. Yeah, he's not the the athleticism, but like, no, I think he's got a he. He looks like a guy that's got a nice ceiling to him. <laughs> Do you hear all these Jimmy Graham lovers slowly coming around to Will Disley? Do you sense it in the air? I do, and it's wonderful. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, any any other topics, Jeff, uh, or anyone else that we should cover before we uh, we pack it in for the night? Score predictions for Sunday. Oh, all right. You want to go first there, Evan? Yeah. 27-10, Cowboys. <laughs> God. I'm not kidding. 27-10, Cowboys. Why? Why is it going to be 27-10? You got to explain how this is going to play out. The Seahawks have shown absolutely no ability to form. Okay, let me backtrack. The Seahawks offense is complete trash. I do not expect them to put up more than 10, maybe 13 points on Sunday. I, I just, I'll believe it when I see it. Okay. Jeff, where are you at? I, I say 23 17 Seattle. Uh, as long as Earl doesn't switch uniforms mid game, I think they should be able to win this one. It's going to be a weird game for Earl, man. Chris Richard's going to be coaching the other side. But I think. The kind of teams that beat Seattle have a ton of dominant. Well, they'll have Demarcus Lawrence against Afedi again, but the, the interior rushers really have been hurting Seattle. I think some of the passing weapons, Dallas doesn't really have that, and that Dallas doesn't have their usual offensive line. They're missing their center, so they're not as dominant. So I think this is a game that the Seattle team can win, although Rod Marinelli has been good at keeping Russell Wilson contained, even when on more much more talented teams. So. It couldn't be ugly offensively, but I'm sticking with 23-17 Seattle. Nathan. Uh, I was leaning shootout, but Seattle really hasn't played well against Marinella teams. So uh, I'll still go. It's going to be something like 31-28. I think Seattle wins. Um, this is based on nothing more than that's probably what I would have guessed two weeks ago. Um, I'm a little bit more pessimistic on the team now than I was then, but I don't know. This is a huge test for this team. This is this is going to be what decides whether they're the dumpster fire they looked like or whether they can put together a respectable year. Well, I think the correct score is uh, twelve to seven, uh, <laughs> Cowboys. I'm going to go with the Cowboys, and uh, my heart tells me the Seahawks are going to win, but my heart's been really wrong uh, the last few years. So, yeah, I think. Seahawks, even when, when the Seahawks offense has been playing well, they haven't necessarily played well against the Dallas defense. Um, last year, they did okay in Dallas. That That's the one, you know. Hope. That wasn't the game where they put up like 130 yards? Was that last year? I think that was two years. That was yeah. the end of last year. They That no, was an awful game. Yeah, that was last year. That's how much how much yardage they put up? I, gotta go uh, I think Russ passed for like 120 yards. Yeah, it was it was awful. They won, but it was awful. Yeah. It was a 12-7 to 7 type game. It was 
Okay. Dan Bailey missed a bunch of kicks. Yeah, it was a bad game. It was an ugly game. Yeah. Um, I got to look real quick. But uh, wasn't there like – I'm going to call a shot. 136 total yards in yeah. that oh, God. Jack was, was awful in that game. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah, 136 yards and um, – I don't think the Seahawks generally played well against his defenses and Marcus Lawrence is as good of a pass rusher as we've seen so far this season. And we've seen pretty good ones. And uh, I don't think this, I think this defense strength is stopping the run, which is going to help the Seahawks stay in this game. I don't really see a shootout. I don't think the Dallas offense is that good either, but um, I don't know. It's, it's uh it's, the one thing that would make me feel different is in the first quarter, the Seahawks come out and they actually run the ball. Um, they did the first drive last game. Well, yeah, they ran. <laughs> I guess I should, I should preface they should, that they run the ball and they run it with a guy that actually can gain yards. <laughs> did you notice what happened when that drive stalled? They punted. <laughs> Three runs with Chris Carson and then, you know, second and three or something or and they ran Richard one of those runs was any good though they he had the opening like eight nine yard run and then he had like a two yard run and then another two yard run like they were like they were like into it was either like late third or early fourth and I thought and Ben tweeted out they had like two successful runs out of 14 so well yeah uh Carson had four successful runs out of six carries so that's how he ended. They knew that was going to come up. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Rashad Penny also had four successful runs by the end of the game, by the way, out of his 10 carries. So, hmm. um, so guys, uh, we've got – what was that? One of us picking that they're going to win? Two. Two. Uh, I did. Nathan and, and, and Jeff both picked victories. All right. We'll see how it goes next week. I'm looking forward to going and watching the game, and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation next week. See what the next chapter in this like unreal reality soap opera that's going on this season for the Seattle Seahawks. Because look, this this can get worse in terms of even you know maybe Russell gets hurt and you know it gets even worse that way. But good time. It's going to be crazy town the rest of this year. I don't think there's any any way around it. It's going to be a weird year, so buckle up. I, I want to call my shot. I want to call my shot before we go. All right. David Moore is going to break out. Ah, I like it. He, uh, Him and Russ are kind of working through it right now. He got the P.I. when he, he won that route, got the P.I. Or I think it was holding, whatever. But I, I think David Moore, maybe not this week, but I think he's about ready to – to bust out. I think he's going to have a good year. I'd love to see it. Anyone else have a shot they want to call? I don't see. If I was Doug Baldwin's agent. I would be asking for a raise very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Tyler Lockett, what's he making? 11 million a year now? Yeah. Hey, he's got two touchdowns in two weeks, dude. Yeah. Good luck. Doug's, Doug has been one of the real winners of the season so far sitting out. Yeah. Yeah. How's Paul Richardson doing in Washington? Nothing. It was a bad fit for him, though. He went for a, a quarterback who can't throw deep. Yeah. Like, you can't blame the guy. He got a ton of money. but 
So uh, if we're going to keep going here for a minute longer, what do you guys, y'all like Paul Richardson a lot? Big fans of Paul Richardson? He's yeah. okay. He's okay. I, like I just think he chose a bad team for himself. Yeah, Fine. He's better. okay. Yeah, big Jimmy Graham fans on the, the pod here? I expected him to be huge this year in Green Bay, yeah. But did you like him for Seattle? Was he? No, he... I can't. No, the guy. he didn't. Okay, and Tyler Lockett, was he healthy last year? No. <laughs> Playing 100%. So, so basically, you gave Russell Wilson, Doug, a bunch of guys that nobody here really likes very much, Bevel and Cable, and he led the league in passing touchdowns. This year, he doesn't even have Doug. He's got Lockett, who's healthy, but now he's got like Brandon Marshall, who like <laughs> that dude can't run. <laughs> Will that like? And what are we expecting from this guy? Like, we're we're down on him because he's not playing. Like, he's not going to put up five thousand yards like we think Drew Brees does every year. I've said my bit, man. If we open this back up, we're going to be here. Like. <laughs> like it, you are welcome to, you know, close the night with the belief that Russell Wilson is flawless. I would like to close the night. I don't think invitation to you to just watch the tape. Uh huh. Watch, watch the game, and then we'll talk next week. Okay, I will take that patronizing <laughs> take and I will allow it and uh, assume that you have all the information and I have none, and we'll go from there. So, uh appreciate it guys i do uh always fun even when we give each other crap uh that's part of the part of the point here so uh thanks everyone that tuned in we will be back next week uh if you're not already a patron please sign up at patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash hawk blogger all the proceeds go to a great cause uh and first home game so maybe i'll see some of the, the patrons out there um pre-game i'd be happy to buy you a beer so uh Keep an eye on Twitter. Keep an eye on Patreon, and I'll post my location. Uh, come say hello. All right, guys. Have a good one.